Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Chris Doe. Chris is an Emmy award-winning designer and is the director and CEO and chief strategist of Blind and the founder of The Future. The Future is an online educational platform with the mission of teaching 1 billion people how to make a living doing what they love. He also goes around the world giving talks and conducting workshops on sales, negotiations, value-based pricing, mindset, personal branding, and so much more. During this episode, we discuss his mission to disrupt the educational industry. We talk about the impact of AI and technology on how we teach and learn, how we can improve our critical thinking, and the importance of showing up as yourself. And the last message he wanted to share is, most of us want to achieve unreasonable results. But keep in mind, in order to achieve that, we need to do unreasonable things. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Mr. Chris Doe. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. So Chris, uh, me and you actually connected in a way I don't usually connect <laughs> with my guests. So just for some backstory, guys. So I've been following uh, Chris's work for a while, especially around like sales and marketing. And then uh, I saw that he was coming to Dubai to do a workshop. And I'm like, there's no like fucking chance I'm missing that. <laughs> I'm going to kind of make sure I'm going to go to that. And it really, those two days, um, to be honest, Chris, I'm still, especially from day two, I'm still reeling, still trying <laughs> to unpack day two. The personal branding course, like, <laughs> fucked me up, man. <laughs> in the best way possible, though. In the best, <laughs> in the best way possible. I apologize. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely fine. It's actually, the, it's probably one of the better things that's happened uh, in a long time. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, Chris, I'm honored to have you on the show. This is my 100th episode, so I'm honored to have you know well, congrats, have you as, man. as the guest. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to save you know episode 100 for for a special guest. That's why. So it all worked out. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, so, Chris, before we get into everything, why don't you give all of us a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there. Sure. Hi, everybody. In case you don't know me, my name is Chris Doe. I'm a loud introvert. In a former life, I was a graphic designer and I made commercials and music videos for a living. And then in 2014, a friend of mine from school invited me to create YouTube videos with him, something I did not want to do. But he was persistent. He didn't take no for an answer. And here I am. Several years later, as uh, I guess an online educator, as a a smaller influencer, trying to make a dent in the universe. Yeah, and uh, you're trying to make quite a big dent in the universe. So, guys, Chris's mission is to um, help one billion people uh, build. Was it build a life for themselves doing what they love? Was that the idea? Behind yeah, that's it? more or less it. Yes. Yeah, um, I'm just curious. Where did that I want to start just asking, where did that come from? That, you know, that mission, how did you, how did we get to that? And how's it going? It, it came from a, a meeting with my, my uh, creative heads. We're sitting in a room and you have to remember, this is now, I think we're late 2018. And they're confused <laughs> because for most of their lives, we're making projects for other people as service professionals doing design, animation, live action, visual effects. And they're just like scratching their head, like, wait, we're an education company? What? Can you explain that to us? Like, what, how, do, how do we make money, boss? What do we want to do? Yeah, yeah. And they meant it in the very best possible way. So I had to explain to them now we're in a totally different space. We're, we're trying to, in our best efforts, 
to update the outdated education system that exists right now. I don't know mm. how it's like in most parts of the world, but the United States, having high quality education is a ticket to moving up the socioeconomic ladder. And to do so, it's quite expensive. These things do not come mm. for free. The best students mm. go to the best schools. The best uh, students graduate from the best schools, go on to lead organizations, find startups and get venture capital. And so there's a definite um, gate in, in terms of access to that kind of quality education. So we want to do our part in the world and make a difference that way. So, and you're, you're trying to tackle traditional um, education. And recently, over the last month, I've been having, I had a couple of recordings that have been all about, you know, education. And I know that's something very important to you. Um, and I know you give workshops and courses both online and around the world. So my question to you, Chris, is because I think everyone has a different answer to this question. So I'd just love to hear what your, your thoughts. How would you define an education? Oh, that's a really good. That's a really good question. OK. An education has certain quantifiable, measurable results and that you enter where you are and you exit where you'd like to be. And mm -hmm. it's a bridge between those two points. And when we look at the word educate, a word that is common to the word educate education is educe. And educe means to draw out, not to put in. And so if you look at traditional education, it's a lot of memorization. The professor has mm. all the answers. The professor tells you what it is you need to memorize and you memorize those things. So it's about mostly memory and the, the students, at least in traditional schools that excel are the ones who have the greatest capacity to remember short term and to be able to take tests. Yeah. But those skills are very valuable in the 20th century and they tend to lead to the most lucrative jobs and, and, and positions within organizations. But as we are in the 21st century, we have wicked problems, problems that are not so easily solved by following a certain set of rules. And we see the mavericks, the people like Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Bill Gates, and Elon Musk, they break the rules. They see the world in a new way. And that kind mm. of programming no longer serves people in the 21st century. And we can see the massive amounts of disruption that the first wave had, had come with the internet, how disruptive that was in terms of changing businesses, the way we work, the way we talk to each other. The second wave is coming, and it's some would argue already here, in artificial intelligence. And mm. now all those things that the schools have been preparing you for, memorization and test taking are completely irrelevant in this new era. And so what we have to do is we have to equip people to learn how to ask really great questions, to be critical thinkers, and to learn how to research, compare and contrast, and to be more analytical in independent research and thinking. So the education system if it continues the way it does, it's going to prepare people for jobs that do, no, do not exist anymore. That's actually um, a really interesting point. I never noticed the, the, the difference of where we are and the skills that were required at the time compared to where we are right now in the, as you know, in the creator and attention economy. And you said something during the workshop, which I love, these like guys, when it comes to AI, it's like kind of like when the internet came. It's like the chessboard has been completely removed, and those who can get into it as quickly as possible to understand it are the ones who are going to win. So I guess my question to you is, if I'm someone who doesn't really 
know anything about AI or stuff. How do I start? What advice would you have for me to start like building into that, you know, that new world? Okay. The first thing is I check all your biases at the door. You have to approach mm. this with an open mind. Just remember, like those of you who are young enough or old enough, I'm sorry, to remember that time pre-internet or pre-cell phone technology, what it was like. I remember having to carry coins in my pocket, going to a phone booth and putting things in a booth that young people do not understand. <laughs> I remember a time when I had to ask my older brother, who is a, a software engineer, what is the internet? I literally had to ask him, what is the internet? He tried to explain it to me. It was very confusing. And then now we live in a time where we're all connected via something that we carry in our pocket, something that's more powerful than the computers that we just had like five years ago. Every person has this and they're connected. So if you can think back, like if you can go back in time, like at the dawn of the internet, as we know it, and there were all these business opportunities, you might've created the next Amazon or the eBay or the PayPal's or whatever it is that's out there today that has dominated its sector, who has been uh, completely disruptive. So we're living in that time now where AI is resetting the game board. And I believe it's probably uh, in the next couple of years, we're going to probably have, I, I don't think this is a, a too big of a number, but 100,000 new millionaires made who understand how to use AI. And so we, we need to look at the applications of what you're doing today and ask yourself, and maybe you don't have to ask yourself, you could just ask AI, how might my industry, and you would describe it, be disrupted by artificial intelligence, how might I be aided, how, how might I be more efficient, effective, mm. or innovative using AI, and then AI will tell you how. This is the remarkable part. So I don't think this has ever existed in the, the history of mankind before, where you have such incredible intelligence and power connected to vast amounts of data pool that, it, that every person has access to for, for free or for very little money per month. This is incredible. Mm. You can have a therapist, a coach, a content writer, a marketer, all for like 10 bucks a month or 15 bucks a month. I think that's what I'm paying right now, which is remarkable, yeah. right? So we see yeah. young people saying, uh, I will be your human liaison, uh, in, uh, design a business that makes $100,000 a year, and I will do exactly what you say. And this person's achieving these results. So imagine mm. every young person, 13, 14, 18 years old, asking themselves that same question with AI, doing what it says. You can see how now, Maybe going to college doesn't even make sense anymore. Being in school mm. might not even make sense. You yeah. need some skills, uh, thinking, cognitive, uh, reasoning skills. But outside of that, um, you're, you're, you don't really need what traditional education gives you. So mm. if you have an open mind, if you think of this as a massive, massive opportunity, the next thing you need to do is do a little bit of research. Mm. Watch a handful of videos on YouTube. They're making them on a daily basis. And you're going to see the amount of innovations happening on a week-to-week -week basis. It's mind-blowing. Seems like every other day I'm reading about a new company doing something that would have taken 10, 100 human hours to do, and it does it in seconds. So anybody yeah. that's going to be displaced by that needs to wake up right now. This is your moment. Mm. This is your opportunity. Yeah. And I think what I really like about what you said is I think we're, we need to be aware to this. Like, I think everyone needs to understand, like, this is the new phase that we're in and this is where we're going. So the ones who understand 
how to maximize these tools, they're the ones that are going to win in the end. But coming back to something you said about uh, traditional um, education, look, I agree. Personally, if it was up to me, um, in a perfect world, my, my children would learn on YouTube, learn whatever you want, watch it as much as you want. But if this is what you love. I want you to be an expert in that. But of course, my kids are going to go to school just like your kids went to school. So <laughs> the question is, Although everything you're doing is fantastic and I support it and I agree with it, how do we get to a point that, you know, that it's a genuine question of do I go to a four-year college, like do I go to university or do I just, you know, study my own thing and do that instead? Okay. How, how old are your kids? Uh, I, don't, I don't have kids yet. Okay. Then I'm telling you right now, by the time you have kids and they're of college age, this mm. will not even be a question anymore. It's hard for humans to see how disruptive technology can be, that we limit our imagination. So I imagine even if you had a child right now in 18 mm. years, this, you won't even have this conversation because it's already changing with my two boys. First, we need really? to understand something. Some kids need structure. They want structure. Some, some kids need the name brand uh, recognition of going to XY's school. To, to have that document that supports and affirms who they are. And for those people, school is a great place. Currently, it could be better, but it's a great place. For, so for my youngest, he's 17 right now. He's got another year of high school. My wife and I, since both children were born, had set aside a college education fund for them. And we're ready to release the funds as soon as he turns 18. He can do whatever he wants. He can start a business. He can take online courses. He can hire mentors. Whatever he wants to do, it's up to him. And the remarkable thing is, as a 16-year-old, like a year, because uh, he just turned 17, a year ago, he was already in crypto space, uh, doing NFT mm. projects, being hired to do freelance commission work for people that are my colleagues in the professional oh, wow. world, and they don't know he's a 16-year-old boy <laughs> doing this work. He's made more than $30,000, so now he has tax problems, so he's got to file a tax return. <laughs> this is the new era. This is the new economy. So I encur mm. encourage both of my children only go to school if you want to go to school. It means nothing to me. I would rather mm. you work on critical thinking and travel the world, live the way that you want, and use the money the way that you see that's going to be mm. most beneficial to you. Now, I realize yeah. I'm speaking from a place of privilege because my wife and I are in a place where we have means to release the college funds to our children. They don't need to get loans to go to school, and so they can do whatever they want. So if my son wants to start uh, some kind of design firm or he wants to, to create a coding academy, whatever he wants to do, I would support. The only advice yeah. I would give to him is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Make small bets versus one big gamble because it'll give you opportunities to learn in case you fail. Yeah. And I think you said something that I, I, uh, I didn't consider that. We're very hard in, as people to understand in 20 years what this is going to look like and what the, yep. the power of this new technology, uh, how that's going to affect us. And uh, coming on to, you mentioned uh, critical thinking. Now, this is one thing I must say uh, that I loved about the workshops is you may, he, guys, for the record, he is like, if someone was struggling to get like an answer, Chris would be like, good, struggle more. Like he want you to figure it out. He want you to do the, to think critically. Now, one thing that I realized um, on the, uh, on the second day when we were doing the, the personal branding was um, when we were talking about the universal characteristics of likable people, which 
out of those hundreds of thousands of words became confidence, vulnerability, and self-awareness. Now, my question to you is, how do I, if, how do I, why, my question to you was this, why were so many of us wrong when we were doing that exercise, you know? I, I'm just, like, all the, I remember you said, like, think of someone, okay, I thought of my wife, okay, cool, yep. write down the three yep. characteristics I did, then I'm like, oh, every single word I wrote that was on that word is completely wrong. So my question is, <laughs> why? That surprised me. It surprised me. <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I, I love your your level of transparency and vulnerability right now. I find it very endearing. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Not, none of your answers are wrong. None of my answers are right. But mm. we, we try to test each answer to see if they can hold true. And I, I think what was real interesting was I said, think of somebody that you really admire, look up to, who has this magnetic characteristic that draws people to them. So we yeah. think of popular figures, and we don't think much deeper beyond that. Had I said, mm. who are some of the most beloved, inspirational people throughout history? So now we have a larger context to compare because people are saying, this social media influencer, this celebrity I just met, <laughs> right? So they weren't thinking in the entire history of humanity, who do we have to look up to? And you might say Mother Teresa, you might say Gandhi, you might say the Dalai Lama, you might talk about some poet or philosopher, and you're like, wow, those are the standards in which we should hold ourselves to and not some of the more recent flash in the pan influencers mm. that we're seeing today. And if we look mm. at their characteristics, it's going to be a lot different. And then jokingly, we had the old, the, the Donald Trump test. And if <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. claim it, then maybe we shouldn't write it down because he's a polarizing <laughs> character. Love him or hate yeah. him, you know? For and sure. so one of the things that we didn't think about and was was hard to see in real time was how quickly can you change your mind? How mm. malleable is your thinking? So this is yeah. often the case. I have an idea. I think it's a red ball. And no matter what you tell me, no matter what the evidence presents itself to be, <laughs> I will tell you what's inside the box is a red ball. And we're not listening. We're not paying attention. We're not adapting in real time. And that's the mm. real problem. Because I think yeah. given enough time, each and every single person would have come up, come to a feel, fairly similar conclusion it's just mm. they weren't ready to change, and that's the part. And I, I don't yeah. know, you have to tell me, is it cultural? It's like we believe what we believe and we're not ready to give it up because uh, it was the most difficult group of the nine countries that I went to. <laughs> I, I'm telling you the truth here. I'm just telling you the truth. It was I, the most difficult group to the move. Truth. That was, that. I'm so happy you said that because I was going to ask you, like, how... How has your experience been in other countries compared to ours? And what you're saying, by the way, that we're the most difficult and like stuck in an idea that is like <laughs> typical, typical Arab pride mindset. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I know better and it doesn't matter what the fuck you say. I'm the one who knows better. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not even joking. Like on certain things, like, yeah, don't even yeah. don't even bother. You're just wasting your time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but you, so with all the workshops you've done, Chris, all around the world, and I know you taught, you were an art teacher for 15, 15 years. So your story is pretty interesting. It's a combination of formal and informal education in the sense that, okay, you went to university, you got a degree, whatever. And then you also, not only that, you became a teacher and then you uh, changed your mind and opened, uh, you know, the future and the different ways to learn and yes. so on. So my question to you is, Oh, so you had the formal and the informal. How have um, how did those fifteen years of experience working as an art teacher influence the the way you teach? You know now in the workshops that you're giving. 
Very good question. I believe the years in which I spent teaching at a private art school really made me who I am. It taught me so many things I wasn't even aware of. So when we talk about working with clients, clients are smart. Most of the times they're highly educated, they're successful, they have communication skills, they know how to manage people, they know how to lead. So working with clients, many people would say it's very difficult. So we'll put that into context. Imagine you're dealing with eight to 10 students who are mostly visually driven, who mm -hmm. are not great at communicating, they're still relatively young, they don't know what they want, and try working with them, you know, where their ideas aren't even clear to themselves. And what that was was an incredible training ground for me to work mm. with people who aren't sure what they even think, let alone can find the words to express that. And so I didn't know at that time, but I'm working with them and I'm seeing where they, they are confused and I learned to read nonverbal communication, body language, the subtle uh, twitching of an eye, how somebody leans back a little bit, how someone's eyes glazes over and they have that uh, deer in the headlights look and you recognize <laughs> it right away. And yep. when you work with an intimate group for 14 <clears throat> weeks, you can test your hypothesis. You can say like, oh, I think that person doesn't quite get it. We'll see what happens next week. And then they put up work and you see, yep, they didn't get it. I recognize mm -hmm. that look now. And so mm -hmm. I, I jokingly describe it to my friends and, and they, they're like, this is strange, Chris. But I've built psychological profiles of different types of people. I recognize certain patterns. And if you see enough of something, you start to make connections. And so now sure. when I talk to a client or when I'm teaching a workshop, I've seen that expression before. I've heard that tone change in someone's voice before. I think mm -hmm. I know what it means. And oftentimes, about 85% of the times, I'm, I'm right. So yeah. I always kind of approach it with a little reservation like, Maybe I'm right, but maybe I'm wrong. Let me just ask a few more questions to see where this is going. So mm. the ability to think on your feet, to respond to a dynamic learning environment, especially with 100 Arabs that I've not met before, <laughs> it's like, it was wild. And I'm not saying just with you guys, because the Londoners were crazy too. Each group brought specific energy. And I'm not yeah. saying one is better or the other, but it was just, it was really fun to work with. Now, mm. comedians call this crowd work. Are you familiar with this term, crowd work? I think so, but elaborate on, on that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So crowd work is like, they don't have set material. They just go in and they say, uh, ma'am, where are you from? How old are you? Are you guys dating? Or are you single? And then they just go into gotcha. it and they make gotcha. stories out of this. And the ones who can think on their feet are, are beloved because that requires true intelligence, wit, and just thinking really fast on your feet. I'm personally fascinated by this. In a different life, if I, if I wasn't so introverted, I might have been a comic because I just admire the work that they do. Yeah. So my version of that in a workshop is, I have a prompt. What do you all think? And then there's the push yeah. and pull. And then yeah. there's the funny group, the loud group, the quiet group, the angry group. And I love working with them. And as long as everybody comes in with that spirit of like, let's have some fun. We'll learn something. Yeah. We'll have some valuable tools. Then it's, mm. it's like, I want to make learning, the learning experience dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, um, after now attending <clears throat> two of the workshops, it really is that I really liked how, um, I like how you just wouldn't give us the answer, you know, even though I, even at times I was like, Oh, for fuck's sake, Chris, just like, tell us, but like, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put me out of my misery. <laughs> just kill me now. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just tell us because uh, especially when we were doing the characteristics, things, we were around for an hour until we got like to anything. Um, and yeah. one thing that I, <laughs> I I'm curious 
How is it from your perspective? So I can tell you my perspective as, you know, the attendee. How is your yeah. perspective like in Dubai? What was what were you experiencing? What was maybe challenging for you? What did you enjoy? I'm sure mm. there was some, some clear challenges, but I'm curious to hear from you. Yes. And I will say this. OK, I don't want the the workshops to be point A to Z and it's just a straight line. That's really yeah. boring because I could just make a video and then you guys can just watch it and do the work and you're mindless zombies. I expect each group even within the same city to bring different energy, different reservations, different limiting beliefs, different uh, forms of like what you think would be funny. And so I like working with the crowd. Now, I'll ask mm. you this question. There were 100 people in, in each workshop. Yeah. And when we struggle through trying to find the answer together, what I found really interesting about this group was they would not give up. So A, they were stubborn, but B, they just wouldn't give up because I'm like, no, that's not it. And I'm like, let me finish. They're like, no, I have another answer. Allow me to speak because I know what it's going to be. So you have this dogged determination. Like, you know yeah. what? We can punch a hundred times, but 101, I'm going to be right this time. That's I all admire we need. that. It's yeah. cultural. You know, it's very different. You're not a timid yeah. culture. You're going to say what you're going to say and you believe what you believe. So I love that. True. But I, yeah. the question I want to ask you is this, is... Does working through the answer of suffering, and it could be like crawling on glass at times, did you find that when you, the answer was revealed that it was more rewarding, like you earned it a little bit? 100%. 100%. Then it's worth it to me. Then I love it. Yeah. Because if yeah. I just told you A, B, and C, you're like, okay, I don't believe you. Yeah. I just don't believe you. Did, you didn't take me along the journey with you. And so therefore, yeah. I just don't believe that that is the answer. Yeah. And on the on uh, on that point, um, yeah, we were like 100 people, you know, each day. I, per, if it was up to me personally, I would have preferred less people just less so you can have right? like, yeah, so you can just focus a little bit more. Um, yeah. But one thing that I especially I'm telling you, as I said at the beginning of the show, the personal branding day, it's still fucking with my head, Chris. You have no idea. Like, I think about it. I think about it all the time, every day. It's look and, in the, yeah, and as time. I, I do, I swear. And the thing is, as time has gone on, like I've learned a lot of things like about myself, about like yeah. things you're talking about, like how to do you, how to find your audience, who is my audience, what is the brand, what does it mean? So it was yes. unbelievably useful and it's still coming together. But my question to you is this, you got us that day to really go deep. Whoever yeah. actually did, wanted to do the work went deep into themselves to understand what's that the shadow word or what's blocking them yes. so my my question to you is why is that something that was so and from your perspective so important for us to do in order to develop our true personal brand mm. so in another life besides being a comic i was probably a, therapist, <laughs> a psychologist okay. right and so i'm trying to get you to have honest conversation with yourself uh, because mm. once that's open and unlocked, I think everything can happen and it could be the most amazing thing. Having been on social media for like a little over a decade now, I see the same patterns happening everywhere I go. People are afraid of showing up as themselves. We talk about the mm. whole human. They're showing up as the human with a whole, uh, mm. as this empty void. It's because no matter how good our parents are, and I'm speaking for myself here, no parent is perfect. No one can give you as much love as you need. No one can have infinite patience and just show you the guiding light all the time. Mm -hmm. And so as we're young people, we're very fragile. And the smallest, the smallest little thing can turn into a gigantic traumatic experience that you carry with you for the rest of your life. 
So what yeah. I find is I can teach you how to do the content stuff and how to write stuff that is going to attract people. But if you're still hurting, if you have unresolved trauma, little trauma, mm. big trauma, whatever it is, you're never going to show up as who you were supposed to be. And I mm. think this is the thing. Your mission, your purpose, your singular purpose in life is to, to get comfortable with who you are so that you can mm. find your gift and then you share that gift with the world. So we all yeah. have a gift. And I don't care if you believe in one God, multiple gods, the universe, cosmic energy, whatever it is. I believe that rare combination of DNA that you inherited from your mom and your dad and you were born into this world gives you certain advantages that most of us just overlook, never explore for a number of different mm. reasons. <clears throat> and now as adults, we got to go find that thing again. We have to rediscover it within ourselves. Like, what is my gift? And when mm. you find that, your whole energy will be aligned around this and you'll be happy. I think you'll be healthier and you'll be wealthier than you ever could imagine with the least amount of effort. So we have to do the shadow work because part yeah. of the healing process is to understand the parts about us that we feel hurt around, that we feel shame or guilt. Mm -hmm. And when we can embrace that, when we can label it, we, we take back some of the power. And we saw that a couple of times, right? As soon as you yeah. can call something and label it, you kind of own it. Or it owns sure. you and you have to make that choice. And that's why it's yeah. so difficult. And that's why so many people are traumatized by the workshop. <laughs> it was just, and you, and something, you said it, but to be fair, you said it at the beginning, you're like, guys, this is not going to be a typical personal branding workshop that you're expecting. And all of us, myself sitting there include like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I guess like we'll find, right. we'll, we'll find out as time goes on. <laughs> um, but one thing what I, uh, I really liked about it. So for example, my word was, was uh, shame. You know, that was my shadow, that was my my shadow word. Um, mm. <clears throat> and it was really hard. And it, it's funny, I actually spoke to my dad recently and actually admitted to him like for the first time in like two years. I'm like, this is what's been going on. This is whatever. Wow. I made a video about like insecurity. It's all it's all after the workshop. Mm. And every time I'm like, OK, we moved a bit forward, but I'm still like, oh, I'm still scared. But we're moving. <laughs> but, but we're trying we're to move a bit forward. We're moving. Yeah. Um, and I guess. Uh, one thing you said uh, at the end of the workshop, which I thought was fantastic, uh, you do something which I, I like people like you who change the way I think and ch or challenge the normal way of thinking. That's my mm. favorite kind of people because it makes me think differently. Mm -hmm. You're talking about being humble. And in my world, hum the word humble was a very positive word. You know, it meant being, uh, that's the way I wanted to approach my life. You know, be humble, not, you know, be all over the place and loud and in your face. And it was the first time someone had ever said that being humble might, you can actually look at it from a negative standpoint. And you talked about how strength and weaknesses are two sides of the same coin. And what, for every strength, there's a weakness. For every weakness, there's a strength. So when you start thinking from you know, that mindset, how, how is that going to benefit you? How is that going to benefit you from a critical thinking you know, standpoint? Well, most of us try to just understand strengths and talk about strengths. And we ignore this whole other side, the weakness, and mm -hmm. it creates an imbalance. And I think if we can find some balance within ourselves, it's that there's this darkness to us that if we can just wrestle our, our heart and, and our mind around, it can actually be a source of great power. And we, we gave examples. The most famous example that anybody can ever give is from 8 Mile, Be Rabbit, The mm. Last Rap Battle. And he's going to destroy the whole movie, right? It's down and yeah. in, in, in he's a, a stranger in, in, in an unfamiliar world. He's a white boy in a, in a black person's world. And he's already so out of place. And the moment, and, and it's very clear because it's pointed in the story, 
in its its representation is the minute he embraces the darkness of who he is, he wins. Literally and figuratively, mm. he wins the game. And there's something yeah. powerful. But we watch the movie, we applaud, great raps, that guy's talented, and we walk away and we forget what the lesson was. Mm. You know, the lesson was to understand what makes you tick and those parts that we feel so sore and sensitive around. They're a great source of healing and it's a great source of power. Now, when we look at it in a business context, because we're like, well, how does this help us? Mm -hmm. We look at Sun Tzu and the Art of War or the Bushido Way, and it almost always says the same thing, which is you cannot win fighting a conventional war if your forces are inferior. So if you have a smaller army and they have a big army, you can't go and fight their fight the way they fight. You have to say like, okay, our weaknesses were small. But smallness is not necessarily weakness. It means we're more nimble mm -hmm. and we have to fight in different ways. So they engage in asymmetrical guerrilla warfare. They hide in the woods. They, they, they do unconventional things. They don't meet them in the battlefield. They don't square up and just fire guns at each other. They move in different ways. And mm. that's the part that we start to understand that your weaknesses actually are a clue to what your strengths are. And conversely, the reason why... Humility has a certain power in, in many, many cultures, almost universally, is because we're like, don't focus too much on your strengths. You're being too self-important. There's a message mm. there. You know, mm. it's, it gets uh, distorted at times, but when we can understand all parts of us, both the strengths and the weakness, I think we show up and be our best selves with our clients, with our partners in life, with our spouse, with our children, with our parents, and we, we just feel different. And you'll notice this. And getting back to the personal branding stuff, you notice the people that are most charismatic, they have this peacefulness around them. Mm. And they draw you to them like, why are you so at peace? And I want a little bit of that energy <laughs> that you have. And just being yeah. around them sets you at ease. That's the mm. kind of thing I want for each person. Mm. Yeah. Ugh. If, you give, if you're able to get that, then, you know, I think <clears throat> you're in a fantastic spot because like you said, the hardest thing that we're ever going to do is, you know, fighting ourselves for our own biggest, yes. you know, roadblocks and supporters. And I, lo I love what you said, though, about look at your weaknesses and how they can be turned into strengths. And and what's interesting is also vice versa, you know, because then a lot of times I think yes. the folks would be on like turn any strength and weakness into a strength. But also, guys, you have to remember that that strength probably has what's the weakness? What's the opposite of that? Yes. And that really that kind of thinking really helped me when i've been trying to now build um like my brand and who my target audience is you got us to think about like like who's the person you hate who's the person the thing like what's the characteristics whatever and we are going to be everything that is not that and it was such a powerful place to start from and it made things so much clearer when i started thinking of it like that it was really interesting yeah, you know, a lot of times when I do brainstorming, getting back to the 15 years of teaching, we approach the problem from one angle and everybody's stuck. And then mm -hmm. you do this kind of inversion thinking. You say, okay, well, since we don't know how to solve this problem, let's, let's look at the problem backwards. Let's look at something that we think is terrible. And from mm -hmm. understanding that, we can then pull ideas, pull in a conceptual string, if you will. And that'll mm -hmm. lead us to a much more brilliant place of discovery in terms of like, wow, I never thought of it like that right yeah. so we don't know how to express joy like say that there's we want to design a movie poster for a film that's uh, celebrating the beautiful things of life and it's like everything we come up with is cliche it's a little cheesy and corny We're like well what's the opposite of that well why don't we look at things that bring us great despair and discomfort 
And then you come mm. up with some ideas for that. And you're like, well, that has nothing to do with this film. Then you take the opposite of that. And you kind of invert that a little bit and you can come up with some really fresh solutions. So as we know, the inner work that we're talking about, the shadow work, the shadow self, it's hard to take on head on. Mm. So yeah. we, we take on via a tangent or we, we attack it from a different angle. And then for yeah. some people, that'll be the moment where it makes sense to them. And during the yeah. workshop, we'll, we'll try a couple of different things. Maybe you got it on the first try. Maybe we get on the fourth try or the 44th try. We don't know. No, no judgment here. Eventually, mm -hmm. you start to move towards what it is, is your truth. And hopefully, you're able to discover it. Yeah, uh, I, I love, <laughs> I really love what you said there about how to f how you can start to find yourself, who you are, you know, what, what do you stand for? What do you think about? Because I remember before we did the workshop, I didn't, people would ask me like, who's my audience? <clears throat> and I had like an idea based on, you know, the analytics, but it wasn't, but now after the workshop, I have a very different approach of who my audience is. What's my message to them? They're people like me who just are curious, who want to learn, who like the variety and so on. So it really opened my mind to like think in a different way. And this kind of go, comes on to something you said about, you know, how a lot of small businesses are like now, for example, in AI space, they're the new guys, you know, they're the ones that are going to be fighting against the traditional ways and so on. And he's like, and you said something that giants sleep and, but we're hungry. So I guess, how do you, how do you foster that mindset when you're like in, I guess the earlier stages, you know, of your, of your business and you're starting to, you know, disrupt you know the big boys and the industry and the pushback that you're going to be getting why is that such a good way to be approaching it well we know this the the market leader always rests and it's there was a famous advertising tagline from avis rental car i think it's avis and it's we're number two we try harder a brilliant campaign you know they're not hertz i think hertz was the number one rental car in, in america so they're we try harder at avis and we we respect that so the thing is, if you're starting out, you're the underdog, you're under resource, you're understaffed, you don't have the same uh, caliber of clients and processes, you know, just the, your talent bench is not as deep. What are you going to do? Again, this is asymmetrical warfare and you have to kind of say, well, what I can do is while they're sleeping, while they take their relationship for granted, I'm going to earn every single one. Mm -hmm. I'm going to cherish every single one and I'm going to look where people are complaining about the big dogs mm. and where there's a complaint, there's a customer who's not satisfied, who's deeply looking for a solution. If you serve them, I believe they're a starving audience and you could, you could just take on more business than you can ever imagine. So what, what yeah. you're doing is you're looking for a problem and the giants are too arrogant. They're too slow or they're too oblivious to what's going on. So they mm. either think they don't need to change, they don't know what needs to change, or they know what needs to change, but there's so much in the way of them changing that it's impossible mm. for them to. Like for example, mm. somewhere, somebody's gonna listen to this episode together, and they're gonna say, well, we need to wake up higher education, we gotta change our ways. We have all the money, the resources, we're way ahead, we have the facilities, the teachers, the pedigree, and they're like, uh, but how are we going to change this? There's, <laughs> you see, even they know they need to change, but they don't because they can't. This mm. is called opportunity, everybody. Mm -mm. And and like you said, because they're so because they're big to make any adjustment or change is going to take a significant amount of energy and time. 
in order to, you yes. know, to do that compared to someone else who doesn't have all those resources. Um, come here, I wanted to just come back to the whole education side for uh, a little bit. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, Chris, because I know your mission is for 1 billion people, you know, yes. to challenge, you know, to teach 1 billion people how to make money doing the things they love. Um, yes. And I guess I'm curious to see, you've been, <clears throat> I don't know when this mission specifically started, but you've been, the company's been around for almost like eight, nine years now. So yep. my question to you is reflecting now on the last, you know, nine years, what I guess are the biggest wins and what do you still find to be the biggest challenge? We still have a lot of work ahead of us. So mm. much work. The biggest wins are, are going to surprise people which is one person with one idea who's super passionate can make a difference in the world. So the mm. video that we produce that seems to be the one that everybody refers to talking about logo pricing, it's now got over 4 million views on it. And the wow. short has 30 million views. And so I'm not saying I've taught 4 million people, but at least 4 million people have watched some part of that, hopefully pulled away some, something that's going to help them. And what I get all the time are messages in email and direct messages on different social platforms, like and they'll say something like this. It's often a guy, it's like, bro or bra, you can't believe it, but this and this happened and I, now I charge this amount. Somebody literally said, I used to charge $1,000 for a logo, now I charge $10,000 and it's all because of watching you and your videos. So I think that is something that's super empowering and a message that I hope everyone who hears this, who can embrace this idea is, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how young you are, if you have something that you can share with the world and you give it in a generous spirit to help them, the kind of impact that you can make is immeasurable. Immeasurable. Yeah. Because I also <clears throat> think, let's just say it's 4 million people. The 4 million people who watch the video are able to apply it, improve their lives. So maybe, you know, there's a little less stress at home and they're a better partner to their whoever they're married to or whoever they're living with or they can <clears throat> support a parent who's going through a hard time financially. That's a big deal to me. Mm. And so the biggest breakthrough has always been in the smallest things that you do. And here's the weird part. You never know what that one video or that message or that tool, which one's going to hit. So you have to play the yeah. volume game. You got to <laughs> just make lots of stuff. And then the internet, the world will tell you, this is the one that connects with us. Mm. And then you learn, my goodness, I need to do more of that. The, yeah. the big surprise to me also is that as a 100% education content company, we are mm. growing faster uh, and higher than we did as a service company. So last year, we did about $5.5 million in revenue. We're projected to do about okay. between 8 to $10 million this year. I don't know if we'll get there, but that will then exceed the highest we ever got to as a service design company in a single year. And what's, wow. what's really cool is a venture capitalist, angel investors, and just friends and family have all reached out saying, do you need money? We want to support you. I'm like, I love money, but I don't need money because I don't know what to do with the money right now. So we still have a lot of sure. work to do. So mm. we need to, to grow the content part to create more courses with more diverse instructors and, and, and things that will cover the spectrum of design and design education. And once we yeah. do that, I think then we'll have proven the business model that mm -hmm. maybe other educators and institutions can look at and say, look, Here's how they did it, and now we can do it. And that would be a wonderful thing. Mm. So it sounds like you want to be the standard for this new form of education. Down the line, you know, people are going to refer to, like, check out the future. That's how, we, that's how we should be doing things now. Yeah, like, I don't even know if we need to be the standard, but we're going to prototype ideas 
And yeah. I, I'm so confident it will work that those that are reluctant is like, well, it can never be done. At least they can point to one entity and say, look, that's how they did it. We could do yeah. it. We could do it better, whatever it is. But at least now there's evidence that this is true. Yeah, no, 100 yeah. percent, man. And I, I love what you said about um, the content. So after again, after, <laughs> after the workshop, I, you know, went away and <clears throat> have so much content that I am going to be putting out now from old podcast episodes that I haven't been released and so on. Um, and the I never I have a new appreciation, to be honest, for the amount of work that crea- uh, YouTubers and content creators actually like have. It's so much more than, you know, you think it is and to be consistent and of that quality. And so I have a new found appreciation for content creators. Uh, and I know you guys put out a lot of content. Um, that's how I found you. That's how uh, the, <clears throat> the the mock calls are were a game changer for me. Super, super useful. Um, so just, you know, just a FYI. Um, Chris, I just have two more questions for you. I want to be conscious of our time. And these are questions I ask all my guests. So first of all, uh, looking back at your life, either personally or professionally, when I ask you the question, what are you most proud of for yourself? What would you say? The thing I'm most proud of is my two children. I have a 19-year-old and I have a 17-year-old and that they're happy, well-adjusted children pursuing their dreams uh, and that we're a loving family. And I just, it's the best thing that I could ever do. And I know it's a little cheesy to say, but they're the the best creation or artwork you've ever created. And mm. I'm, I'm glad yeah. that they are who they are. And I'm lucky to be their parent. Oh, oh that's a beautiful sentiment, man. You're not the <clears throat> only one that has mentioned, you know, the kids on the show when I ask that kind of question. Uh, and it's clear to see it's a very beautiful thing. So maybe one day I'll one day I'll join you, but not just yet. Um, yes. No rush. <laughs> from, no rush. <laughs> And for my last question, Mr. Chris Doe, for episode 100, what is the message he'd like everyone to take home with him today? Okay. I'm going to interpret that a little bit different. People often ask me, what's the advice I'd give to my younger self? Okay, Mm -hmm. so in case it's not been clear, let's talk about that. I, I try to imagine, I was 42 years old when I started making content, and several years later before the future was formed. I think to myself now, what would happen if I was 20 years old and started a full two decades before? I was thinking, my gosh, I would be a better speaker. I'd be a better educator. The content library would be 10 times as big as it is right now. The number of lives I would have impacted would have changed. So what I want to tell everybody today is we live in this world now where it's about attention And the best way to capture and create and leverage attention is to be a great teacher. So to put yourself out there, to create content, to share with the world the things that you know, and something that might be really insignificant for you might be a really big thing to someone else. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And the thing that's holding you back, or you're going to make up a lot of reasons, but it could be no one will care. I don't know what to say. I I can't deal with the criticism. I don't have the tools and the technology. And those are all just reasons. Mm. And I think, and I want to say this, most of us want to achieve unreasonable results. And in order to (laughs) achieve those results, you have to do unreasonable things. Just keep that in mind. If you want to be extraordinary, you have to put the extra into the ordinary. So that's the message for all of you. Um, And I think that's a beautiful way, you know, to end the show, especially that, that that last line, you know, we all have unreasonable expectations. 
and we don't put in the unreasonable effort to get those <laughs> expectations. Uh, man, Chris, I wanted to say, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. You're, you're a guest I've always wanted to have before we even, you know, met uh, in in Dubai. I have, have you on like my, my wanted list of like people I want to have on the show. So now I get to, you know, tick that off. I just want to thank you, Chris, for for everything you're doing, for all the content that you're putting out there, you know, before we even, <clears throat> before the workshops, which were just incredible, guys, if you have a chance, please go. Um, just from your content, I learned so much. Um, helped me change the way I do sales, change the way I spoke to clients. So I really appreciate all the content that you've put out there. It's been super beneficial to me. And of course, the workshop was, you know, just the nice cherry on top, on top of all that. So I just want to say thanks so much for everything you do, man. Uh, I really appreciate Really appreciate it. And we need more people who think differently like you in this world. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed the conversation. And thanks for, uh, so much for like, first of all, for being part of the, the, the workshop and the larger global community of people that we consider the future family and for giving me the opportunity to speak to your audience. I know we'll be back. I know we'll be back because Jason's already talking about coming back. So <laughs> I have a lot to learn still. And so I will prototype more exercises, more ideas. And hopefully have less trauma during the workshop and afterwards <laughs> so that people will walk away feeling affirmed, empowered, yes. ready to do what they need yeah. to do to change their life and the lives of the people they love the most. So thank you very much. Yeah. No, no, man, it's been a pleasure, Chris. Uh, if anyone wants to, you know, reach out with you, work with you, find, find out some more information, where's the best place for them to go? There's two places. One is go to the future website, which is the future, okay. F-U-T-U-R. There's no E at the end, dot com. You can find mm -hmm. everything we do there, or you can just follow me on social. I'm on most social platforms. I'm at the Chris Doe, and Doe spelled D-O. D-O, yeah. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes, guys. So if anyone has any questions, uh, please let me know, and I'll connect you with Chris. Chris, this has been a pleasure, man. Thanks so much uh, for being my 100th guest. It's a very, it means a lot to me. And yeah, looking forward to uh, the next <laughs> the next workshops. If I don't have enough tra any trauma left, I'll, sure I'll see you. <laughs> Just as the wounds are about to heal, I'm gonna rip it apart again. So yeah. <laughs> look forward to seeing you. I'll bring like some bandages this Chris. time. Please, okay. that would be that would be great. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Gonna, no, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Chris.